0: In the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks.
1: We're back. You're listening to Money Talks, your trusted resource for your money, your future, your life. I'm Troy Harmon here with... None other than Zach Alexander. It's Hello. all his fault. Yeah. Uh, we've already
2: established yeah, that I has think. been established. Yeah. We, yeah. he's the scapegoat for yeah. all the world's problems today. That's the right. world's problems, no, not no, just our no.
1: problems. Yeah. I mean, we're blaming him for inflation. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what, what else? Russia?
3: Yeah. What else?
2: Yeah, I mean, what,
1: what he's, have you got? Yeah, and
3: I he's, mean, he's, you name it. Yeah. I'm taking Z- it all in. All right. Wow.
1: Zach is a powerful man. Yeah. And he has obviously broad shoulders. He's he's willing to take on that's, the world's issues. That's right. You can name him Atlas today. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Atlas Alexander. There you go. That's a nice little,
3: little role there.
1: There you go. We're also joined by Casey Smith. Casey,
2: uh I mean, I am not responsible for anything.
1: (laughs) It's all Zach's fault. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. I I mean, it's it's where we were earlier. It works. It works. All right. Well, Kelly Lynn.
4: Yes. So I have here uh, Beth and Henry. Um, They began working with a financial advisor who was a friend of Henry's from college, Uh, though they paid him to manage their investments. He basically called them every time he wanted to jump in on a new Opportunity, So he was always asking, you know, hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, now, while their household is just above uh, one hundred and fifteen thousand uh, income, they have, you know, they've got the they've got the normal obligations. They've got two children. They've got cars. They've got, you know, mortgage. Um, let's see. The advisor has put them in several high-risk investments. They lost a significant amount in the Great Recession and did not recover as quickly as the broader market. When they called him out on it, the advisor's first move was to double down on the higher-risk investments. And when they refused, he offered to put them in a 50-50 bond growth split, which, of course, they're now they're trailing. Hmm. So this is, um, I mean, one, he's just kind of a, a, a bad advisor, but what are they really working with? I mean, is he really a financial advisor, or just somebody who's playing around? Or,
2: yeah, and th- this is kind of uh, this becomes difficult a little bit just to know what exactly they they have and who they're working with, or or who's working for them. Um, you know, th- it kind of comes down to the what model of financial service or financial advice are they getting? Um, you know, and there's there's essentially two different elements or two different types of advice that you can receive as a, you know, as a a household, um, getting financial planning or financial service, financial advice. Um, and that's going to be, you know, the broadly speaking, there's brokers, uh, which is going to be like your, your Merrill Lynch, your Morgan Stanley, Mm -hmm. your, uh, you know, name, name, UBS, whatever. Northwestern kind of Mutual. Biggers. Yeah, a yeah. list of them. Yeah. Generally, Basically
1: what they do is sell you on Generally uh, you're a, selling a product. Right. Yeah, it's
2: yeah. just right. more product-based. Uh, although a lot of the brokers have kind of transitioned into more of a uh, a, a fee-based model uh, where it's not as heavily in, in, in products um, just because of... Sort of the demand and is kind of going in that direction. And
1: Sometimes then, that product might just be an individual stock, right? And they get be, a yeah. commission on on selling right. you whatever the transaction is. Yeah. Right?
2: And these days, you know, it could you could be mutual funds, it could be insurance products, you know, yeah. things like that. So there's a wide array of you know advisors in that space. Uh, and then there's you know what Hensler would would be lumped in with, which is a registered investment advisor RIA. Um, and that means that we're registered with the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, not the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> um, <laughs> Although that would be cool. Although that would be cool. No, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um,
4: we are talking uh, about our case study here. We've got Henry and Beth. Um, their advisor has been putting them into investments that are just not suited for them, uh, or it doesn't seem like they're suited, let's put it that way, yeah. like a little bit more high risk than they probably need to take. Sounds like it. And... You know, then when he said, you know, fine, fine, you don't want to be, you know, you're so risk averse. He put him in something that's like way too conservative. I mean, they're yeah. in their mid 40s, you know, so.
2: Yeah. And, and it's really kind of we were just talking before the break about the different types of, of financial service or financial advice that, that someone can receive. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard to speak to the their specific situation because we don't have enough information to really tell, you know, whether this advisor is giving them good advice or bad advice, I mean, it seems on the face of it to not be the best advice. Um, but the, the bigger question is, what kind of standard is that advisor operating under? Is it a right. fiduciary standard, or is it the the new broker model, which is the Regulation BI? Zach, um, you know, I don't know if you want to speak a little bit about about Reg, Reg BI and yeah. kind of the impact that that's having?
3: Yeah, so, so Regulation Best Interest uh, was issued in 2019. Basically, it was trying to provide or hold brokers to a higher standard um, to provide more disclosure of information about their recommendations, as well as exercising some level of diligence, care, and skill when making those recommendations. And abide by policies that address conflict of interest, um, in addition to complying fully with policies and procedures designed uh, to fulfill the regulation. So, put it simply, they're just trying to provide a better level of care or service to their clients.
2: Yeah. So, previous to regulation BI, a broker dealer was held to what's just called what was called a suitability standard. Suitability, meaning that whatever investment recommendations were provided to the client had to be suitable for whatever situation. Right. And that paints a pretty broad brush. Oh, and suitability really? can mean yeah. a lot of different things. So basically
4: like a broker could look at someone and say, well, you've got a lot of money. I'm going to put you in something a little bit more risky.
2: Yeah, Yeah. because you could define that that is suitable for their situation. Well,
4: Um, suitable for their income. Right, Right, exactly.
3: Or you might have two mutual funds, and one has a commission that goes to the advisor. It might be suitable, Mm. but if there's another mutual fund that is cheaper, uh, and similar and, and similar, yeah. then why would you go with the, the one that's more expensive? Yeah. In this case? That, so
2: that, that is the problem that they were trying to address with regulation BI was to avoid that kind of fiduciary gap. Um, and you know, fiduciary is a, is a term that is hard to define, I guess, and depends on it's different means different things to different industries. Mm -hmm. Um, In the financial industry or financial advice industry, suitability is effectively, or I'm sorry, fiduciary is effectively two main duties that you owe to your client. One is a duty of care, um, meaning that basically you must make informed business decisions based on your expertise, um, analyzing all of the information uh, and coming up with recommendations that are based on your professional knowledge and understanding. And then a duty of loyalty, which is um, basically what we were talking about, that you, Mm -hmm. if there are two identical mutual funds or very similar mutual funds, one of them pays you a commission, the other one does not, it would be a violation of your fiduciary duty to recommend that the client purchase the one that pays you a commission
1: uh, assuming that it's more expensive for the client correct right yeah. so it's it's really more from the client's perspective so they uh they have to get what is absolutely best for them whether it's best for you the advisor or not right exactly and,
2: and regulation bi does help you know because it does hold the broker dealer uh and i feel like we're picking on you know broker dealers yeah. it's not that all of all of that that that's a bad model necessarily no. and there's right. I, plenty I of done. advisors in that model that are perfectly you know that operate under a fiduciary standard and would never try to you know fleece their clients in any way
1: right um, and, and here's the other thing casey i know you know some of the case that's made for a broker dealer is you know they they charge you maybe maybe they are taking what's in your best interest if in fact they were they would only charge you when you have a Transaction, transaction and right. you don't get charged. If you have no transactions in your account for a full year, then what is the fee?
2: Yeah, so you're only getting paid in theory when you're doing something, quote unquote. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, but the problem mm-hmm. is it's, you know, we, we try to look at the incentivization is that a word? Yeah, the, it is The now. incentives, yeah. <laughs> the incentives that are put in place for both sides of the of the the uh, transaction, right? You exactly. you want you want uh, as an RIA, you think that if I make this client more money, then I'm going to get a bigger paycheck. Whereas, you know, the incentive for a broker is if I give them more transactions, I get paid more. So, you know, when you think about it from the the point of view of an incentive, uh, if you do have a broker and you like your broker, that's fine. Just make sure that you're not being pecked to death with the you know, a little right. transaction here or there. Sure. Yeah.
3: yeah. Don't be afraid to ask questions. At the end of the day, it's your money, and you're entitled to know what's going on. So.
1: Right. And the thing is, you know, when you when you think about Henry and Best situation, <clears throat> it, it was obvious that they when when they saw that they were getting more risk in their portfolio than they were comfortable with. There's an issue. Right. And when you bring it up, and they double down, your your uh, your advisor doubles down, or your broker, whomever they are. <laughs> Uh, that that didn't answer that's, the question properly right. at all. I mean, it right. sounds like he was
4: just trying to make up the money. You know, yeah, like, oh right. well, if you feel you're behind, let's let's right. go for something a little bit. Remember more, at know. the
1: first of the show when we talked about Zach's behavioral uh, designation? That's literally one of the human. Errors that people make <laughs> on a regular basis. That's is true. It's kind of a, a gambler's. What do they call it? A gambler's gambler's fallacy. fallacy. They're gonna. Yeah. They're gonna double down to try to make up the loss they had. That's. You don't take more risk because you already took too much risk mm-hmm. it's right. just craziness
3: yeah. yeah and i think one one other thing to touch on real quick is just there there was a, a report released um you know by finra um and they basically explained how brokers and brokers dealers have you know kind of fallen short on their requirements a little bit but it, it sounds like it's a work in progress of, of trying to transition to that regulation best interest but I think the point here is that we just want to make sure that whoever's out there listening, that, you know, you're asking the right questions and that there's transparency and somebody's, you know, doing right by you and your investments. There you go. Kelly Lynn, was there anything else you wanted to touch in this case?
4: Uh, not really. I think that's about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, do we have any advice of like, like what one some of the questions that you want to ask if you're when you're interviewing an advisor or?
2: I think, you know, how, how, how do you get paid is yeah. probably sure. the first I mean, and do, foremost. Do
4: clients come in and ask that?
2: Occasionally, and okay. we do have clients that ask, our straight up, are you a fiduciary?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the more that they understand what that means, and th- there is another layer to this that we should probably touch on, and that is, you know, the the additional layer of duty that is uh, implied by having someone working with someone who has a CFP designation, right? Um, certified Financial Planner Practitioner, uh, as Troy likes to oh, yeah. introduce us as in the right. beginning of the yeah. show, certificant, certificant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to think of myself as a certifican, but that's right. <laughs>
1: well, you we can't say that,
2: though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, you know, they they enforce a, an additional layer of uh, standard, I guess you could call it, um, by their code of standards that they operate under, which is um, essentially extending to all of your financial assets. So it's not just based on the transaction when you have to act as a fiduciary. Right. If you're giving somebody advice on taxes or insurance products or any any financial Asset that they have, then you have to also act as a fiduciary in that regard as well. And there's a litany of standards and and uh, duties that uh, a CFP certificate. Uh, must abide by in addition to the the standard set out by the sec as a, a registered investment advisor
1: yeah and some brokers will be cfp certificates as sure. well and, and they would be held to those
2: standards if they are a right. broker. so
1: yeah. so uh, you know if you're going to get one probably best to get one that's got a cfp uh designation and um on top of that the the only thing you got to know is your questions are going to be ongoing if you're dealing with a broker because of the way that they are incentivized to get paid Uh, you know every single thing they tell you to do you probably ought to ask a question Mm. and that is why is this the best thing for me right now exactly yeah
4: that's the key right there i think yep. yeah all right coming up next we've got some listener questions we somebody's got some needs some advice on uh a, a, either a roth conversion or a roth uh contribution so stick around you're listening to money talks your trusted resource for your money your future your life